0: My name is Ian Urbina. I've reported on some pretty mind-blowing stories, but nothing like what happens at sea. If they got within 800 meters, that is when we would fire warning shots. Murder, slavery, human trafficking, and staggering environmental crimes. Men have told me that they've been beaten with stingray tails, with
1: chains.
0: If you really want to understand crime, start where the law of the land ends. The Outlaw Ocean. Available now on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. This is a CBC podcast.
2: If you search the word coronation on Twitter or TikTok, this is the video that comes up over and over. It's a crowd of football fans singing at Hampton Park, a stadium in Glasgow, Scotland. Like them, there are a lot of people in the UK who aren't thrilled about the massive party happening for King Charles on Saturday, when he'll officially be crowned head of the British monarchy.
1: It's a royal tradition as old as an empire, a day filled with ceremony and majesty.
2: Over 2,000 people have been invited, with political leaders and royals from around the world expected to descend on London. There's going to be golden carriages, custom-made designer outfits, jets, and of course, the crown jewels. According to estimates by British media, the event is going to cost taxpayers at least a hundred million pounds. It's a number some people are finding hard to swallow, given the cost of living crisis in the country that's making it really hard for people to make ends meet.
0: They're feeding the rich. And the poor are getting poorer, so it's all about them.
1: We're choosing between whether we buy vegetables or eggs, and then they're spending so much on a coronation.
2: Wages in the UK have been stagnant, and inflation is in the double digits. Prices have gone up by 10% over the last year, with food prices up by 19%. Meanwhile, hundreds of thousands of public servants, from healthcare workers, to teachers, to university staff, have been striking and demanding better pay. What
0: do we want? Ten percent! When do we want it? Now! Rishi hear us we need you to raise our pay!
2: And recent polls show that most people don't care, or care very little about the coronation. This comes as the Republican movement, calling for a democratically elected head of state, is gaining traction. This week on the show, we're going to dig into why and what that might mean for the future of the royal family. My first guest is Anna Whitelock, a professor of the history of monarchy at City University of London and a royal commentator. And later, we'll hear from Femi Oluwole, an activist who's been a vocal critic of the coronation. I'm Tamara Kandaker, and this is Nothing Is Foreign. Hi, Anna. Thanks for being here. Pleasure. So you're in London. Can we start with what it's like to be there ahead of the coronation on Saturday? Talk to me about the kinds of preparations that are being done and and what you're seeing when you're walking around
1: outside. Certainly if you were in London, you would see very many uh, flags and banners in shop windows at train stations. The rehearsals are firmly underway. And the coronation hype has begun, with themed bus tours, specially made cocktails and royal sweet treats all on offer. So the kind of commercialization of the coronation is in full swing. Uh, and certainly around near Buckingham Palace, the flags are up of the United Kingdom and also the other realms, including Canada. Uh, makeshift television production offices are uh, being erected and television studios around near uh, Buckingham Palace. Westminster Abbey, of course, is closed now, and there's a big security operation around that. So you would certainly see the sights of an upcoming big royal event. Perhaps what you wouldn't hear are particular notes of enthusiasm or people talking expectantly about the coronation. Right.
2: And what do we know about what's actually going to happen? What is it all supposed to look and feel like on Saturday?
1: So really, it's about two big processions and then the ceremony, uh, a procession from Buckingham Palace uh, to the Abbey, and then uh, arriving at the Abbey just before 11 o'clock when the congregation would have been gathering for the last couple of hours. And then the coronation ceremony itself, which will go on for about two hours, and then the a larger procession back from the Abbey to Buckingham Palace where there will be the much anticipated balcony moment where the king and the queen will appear. And I suspect so to the prince and princess of Wales and their children. And then there will be a massive, I think it's six minute um, flyover from the RAF. So there'll be a huge uh, air display. Uh, And then the rest of the weekend is is more people-focused. It's about public get-togethers and the pop concert. And this is, of course, the
2: first coronation since Queen Elizabeth's in um, 1953.
0: As she passes up the nave of the great cathedral, and the cry, by that, rings out from the scholars of Westminster School.
2: How is this coronation going to compare to the last one in terms of size and grandeur?
1: Well, it's quite deliberately shorter in length. The procession is also shorter. The number of members of the congregation is smaller. So where possible, they've tried to edit slightly the ceremony, both to to be more accessible and also feel more modern. But of course, the coronation ceremony is inherently a ceremony that is centuries old. It really dates back to 973 A.D. and um, the coronation of uh, King Edgar, and so as you can imagine, much of it will look and sound quite unfamiliar and quite dated.
2: How much is King Charles's coronation? going to cost the public
1: well we don't yet know we won't know until after the coronation but estimates are certainly in excess of 100 million pounds some as high as 200 million uh when you think of security and so on so it's a phenomenal amount of money and of course that comes in the context of a cost of living crisis and people suffering you know serious financial hardship so that also jars uh, quite discordantly with modern times
2: and I've seen some polling that says more than half of Britons think that the coronation shouldn't be funded by the government. And this is, I think, also interesting in light of these revelations by The Guardian recently that uh, King Charles's personal wealth it amounts to £1.8 billion. Why is the cost of the coronation
1: covered by the taxpayer and not by the royal family itself? Yeah, I mean, it does seem odd and hard to justify. I mean, really, the simple fact is, the monarchy's head of state and therefore in that sense it's a state occasion and he's played for by the government but you know as you say it seems very very odd that just at a time when revelations are emerging about not just the the wealth of the crown but actually the king's own personal wealth much of which uh, he has gained by profiting from the fact that members of the royal family don't pay inheritance tax and so there does seem this real disconnect and a a, a real anomaly between the fact that he is so rich Mm -hmm. but his subjects, as it were, are being asked to pay for his coronation.
2: You alluded to public opinion around this earlier, but um, there have been some polls recently that suggest that there's a lot of apathy around this coronation. Um, A recent YouGov poll commissioned by the group Republic found 35% of the people surveyed said that they did not care very much about the coronation. 29% said that they did not care at all. What do you make of those numbers?
1: I mean, it's not surprising. You know, for some people, the coronation is a hugely exciting occasion to be uh, celebrating and to be immensely proud of as a a marker of of Britain's place in the world and its heritage and its identity. That, of course, for many people, particularly those who have Caribbean heritage, would say, you know, this is a monarchy that's founded on um, colonial violence and the fact that we are applauding and celebrating Uh, the survival of of this relic, as they might have it, is um, outrageous. So there's a spectrum of opinion and the polls are beginning to show that. And of course, particularly among the young, there is a real sense that, you know, this is not the head of state that they would want.
2: Femi Oluwole is a 33-year-old anti-Brexit activist, He got a lot of heat last year when he argued that the queen should have paid for her own platinum jubilee and that the public funds that were used for it should have gone to people in need. We talked about how he and the people that he knew felt about the coronation.
0: We don't care. Um, We just don't. I mean, the country is in a state of crisis um, and watching King Charles get an extra crown isn't really our top priority right now.
2: So among young people in the UK between the ages of 18 and 24, the number of people who were surveyed in that YouGov poll who said that they cared very little or not at all about the coronation, it was even higher. It was 75%. So why do you think young people care so much less about the coronation?
0: Well, often the royal family is very much linked to the values of the UK. That's what the people who defend the royal family say that it represents and suffice to say the royal family has not been really demonstrating the values of m- millennials or gen z's and if you think about things that have happened in the recent couple of years you've seen well obviously there's the issue of prince andrew not exactly being the shining star of uh progressive values and the rights of young women specifically uh, then there's the issue of what happened with harry and megan but they haven't stood up to um, uh, the racism that they've received in the press. There's the fact that they refuse to apologise for the colonial legacy of slavery. They're just not representing what young people value at all. And not to mention, young people have a lot more going on than, again, King Charles's jewellery.
2: Yeah, and and I guess young people are also now much more informed than they might have been in like 1953 about the royal families history, when it comes to slavery and colonialism, and culturally, Britain's also a completely different place.
0: Yeah, I think it comes down to education, as you said, the availability of information. I know mean, even when I was growing up, history education was just World War I, World War II, invention of medicine, Industrial Revolution, basically stories about how white British people won wars and invented stuff. It was nothing about um, what we did that might have been potentially questionable in the past. Nothing about slavery, nothing about even Ireland, to be fair, which is one of the reasons why um, the issues around Northern Ireland and Brexit took us by, by surprise. And so our place in the world has been very much embellished by the education that we got. But now that we are in an age where all the information is available online, we've got a TikTok generation that is constantly talking about our place in the world, seeing the effects of our fallen policies in other countries, seeing the effect of colonial history of slavery, the legacy of of colonialism on other countries. We can see that the fairy tale we've been told about how the royal family is this shining example of how we're the best, our generation and and, and Gen Z's not really down with that in the same way that older generations will be.
2: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think... It, it was so clear to me when I was doing the research for this episode this week, the contrast between the way that people are talking about the coronation on TikTok versus the way that it's being covered in the news. that was just That was just really interesting.
0: We've been cordially invited to pay true allegiance to the future King and his family. <laughs> Is this a fucking joke?
2: What about Charles himself? Is there something about him versus Queen Elizabeth that makes people less interested in his coronation?
0: I think The Crown, the Netflix series, hasn't really done King Charles many favors. I hug who I love, particularly when they are affected by the selfishness of others and need cheering up. Who are you referring to? Camilla.
1: Why would I care about her? Because I care about her!
0: I mean, lots of people were already on Princess Diana's side, but this made it even more so. Um, and I think on top of the fact that uh, we saw what happened with um, Harry and Meghan and the utter refusal of him as the, well, the patriarch within the family to come out in in, in defense of, of, of Meghan and in opposition to the massive racism that she experienced in the British media shows that... They're basically defenders of the status quo because they'll they'll go out and defend themselves, they'll defend their reputation, but uh, nothing to actually stand up for the values that the Gen Zs and the Millennials would want him to stand up for. Because essentially, silence is complicity.
2: Also, when Queen Elizabeth had her coronation, she was coming into power at a very different kind of time, right? It was post World War II, and no one really knew much about her. She was this romanticized figure a young woman whereas with Charles he's been around for a long time and and people know a lot about him and and have an idea of like what he stands for do do you think that's true
0: yeah I think that's I think that's a major that's a major point I mean the uh, never complain never explain attitude that has existed in the royal family for a very long time that worked back when Politicians and celebrities weren't as vocal on every single aspect and every single day in constant communication with the public, which you're now essentially obliged to, if you're in the public eye via apps like TikTok, Twitter, etc. If you're being seen yet not speaking, that is speaking. That silence is a message, and so he can't hide behind the same veneer of royalty that his mum did.
2: And you you alluded to this earlier, but what's going on in the UK economically and culturally right now that might be impacting the public sentiment around this coronation?
0: Ooh, where do you start with that one? Okay, what's happening with the UK um, economy? Uh, so the government's official experts, so the Office of Budget Responsibility says that we're facing the sharpest fall in living standards since about 1956. So things are not going well. I know everything's not going well globally, but like even compared to other G7 countries, we're doing pretty badly. Um, and we're seeing uh, recent polls have shown that, um, well, last year it was one in four, this year estimates of one in seven, basically millions of families are skipping meals in order to keep their kids fed because food prices have gone through the roof. Things are not going well. We've had a winter where... Many people were simply unable to heat their homes because of the cost of energy. Um, It's going badly. And as far as trust in our institutions to help us out, that trust in government, trust in the system, that's really not there. I mean, they dropped the pretense of actually really caring. That's kind of gone. You had um, Rishi Sunak during his leadership campaign, basically bragging to Conservative Party members about how he... Took money away from quote-unquote deprived urban areas i managed to start changing the funding formulas to make sure that areas like this are getting the funding that they deserve because we inherited a bunch of formulas from the labor party that shoved all the funding into deprived urban areas uh, then they you know that needed to be undone i started the work of undoing that and we had liz trust the previous prime minister saying that it was fair to give rich people more money back in terms of tax breaks and even just the fact the idea that I'm mentioning three separate prime ministers in the last year just shows you the chaos. There's nothing that can really be relied on. Um, And so people are not really confident that the politicians are going to help us out of this.
2: The other thing that I just wanted to quickly mention, the top economist from the Bank of England recently said that people need to just kind of accept that they're poorer.
0: You don't need to be much of an economist to realize if what you're buying has gone up a lot relative to what you're selling, you're going to be worse off. So somehow in the UK, someone needs to accept that they're worse off. How was that comment received? Uh, Yeah, when the Bank of England, um, so synonymous with the banks, uh, tell you as people that are experiencing the worst poverty crisis since the 1950s, that you just need to accept that things aren't going so well, especially after that same Bank of England uh, recently raised interest rates, which has made things even harder for people um that went down like cold soup um it was not well received at all
2: i've seen a lot of anger around this on social media with people making a direct link between the coronation and the cost of living crisis saying this just feels like a total slap in the face.
0: So the government is going to spend £100 million of our money on this man's coronation. Do you want to see the kind of things that me and you are paying for?
2: I'm wondering how challenging has the cost of living crisis been for you personally?
0: I mean, I'm 33. Um, if I look at my dad's timeline, uh, he moved to the UK in 1988. Um, by, the, by the time he was my age now I was four years old so on his timeline I should have a four-year-old kid entering school and right now I'm living in my best mate's spare room paying rent to him the the idea of owning a owning your own place uh, for a lot of millennials um, without having to essentially get into a relationship and then move in with them it just seems like a distant dream and so people and and then you add to that the rising cost of food the rising energy bills it's it's just r- ridiculous, and we get the finger pointed at us by the government, but they're the ones making these decisions. We're being called lazy. Oh, just if you don't buy as many Starbucks, you'll be fine. not you guys basically manage to pay, pay for your houses with pocket change, and yet you're complaining that we're not able to buy our own places right now, whilst you trash the economy. As in, it is literally the generations above us that trash the economy. If you look at things like Brexit, even the government's own experts say that Brexit has cost our economy a hundred billion pounds and an equivalent of forty billion in tax revenue, that money could have gone on the cost of living, it could have gone on extra doctors, it could have gone I mean, food would be less expensive if we hadn't created trade barriers between us and the place where we get a third of our food. There's a strong element of intergenerational conflict here, um, which is getting more and more tense
2: there are obviously still a lot of people who do care about the coronation and they're excited about it. What do they say in response to the criticism that this is costing too much?
0: Well, they'll say that it, that the royal family brings in uh, more money than it takes, that the coronation will pay for itself, that all the pomp and circumstance is worth it because of the, of the tourism um, pounds that we get as a result. But quite frankly, it's a matter of where that money ends up going because it may bring in gross GDP but the UK is pretty much I think roughly the fourth most financially unequal country in Europe that money does not reach people at the bottom
2: that makes sense I've heard supporters of the royals say that the money that's being spent on the coronation is a drop in the bucket when it comes to the cost of living crisis what do you think of that argument
0: the question is, how many drops are we going to take? I mean, it's, it's not like this is the only royal event we had. Um, we've had several events in, in, in the recent in the recent years. And it's part of a wider problem of government misspending, misspending money on things that are not national priorities. I mean, you said yourself, people do not care about this coronation. So that little bit of money could go elsewhere. If you are grasping around down the back of your couch just to find extra extra coins to pay the gas bill, then every little penny you want to know that it's being spent in the right place.
2: I'm curious I w- I wonder if you can explain this to people who are not in the UK and who don't understand the kind of obsession with the monarchy that that some people in the UK have like whenever there is some sort of scandal involving the royal family their defenders will come out in full force like with the Meghan and Harry revelations for example and even you know when the queen died recently it was impossible to criticize her without being attacked by royal supporters and like yep. for people who've never been in the UK who may not understand the concept of continuing to bankroll and and support this family who've who have all this wealth and power by birthright what is it about them and this tradition that some people in the UK are so attached to
0: i, I don't know what it i don't know how the indoctrination happens but i know that for me the Queen, growing up, was a part of our identity. I mean, um, especially because she was so inoffensive in the sense of she was just this figurehead, and she was part, she was on our money, etc. And so she was just part of what it meant to be British. As I've grown up, um, it, it's just that veneer is kind of worn off it. Especially when you see a the money that they have, b the money that most people don't have. But yeah, people are fierce when they when it comes to defending um the monarchy because they they almost say that if you question the monarchy you're not really British, you're being unpatriotic.
2: What do you think about the idea that this is central to being British as someone of Nigerian descent living in the UK?
0: Yeah, the the idea that you have to support the monarchy in order to be British is very very problematic especially when you consider that some people will have ancestors uh, that did not exactly benefit from the monarchy and the empire that the uh, royal family essentially is the head of it's it's difficult because i think the fact that they've never apologized means that it's difficult to move past it like obviously king charles um harry uh, william not responsible for slavery get that but you are sitting at the head of an organization that very much was, and it would be nice just to show just so that we can so that you can come with us into the twenty first century, we recognize that that was wrong, and we haven't seen that.
2: So they've invited the public to swear allegiance to the king. Um, how do you feel about that?
0: <laughs> I think it's an absolute joke. We had a Tory MP, James cleverly, on the TV today. Uh, saying um, well it, it's so great that this uh, that the King Charles has decided to open this opportunity up to the to the public. It used to be a very exclusive function that was only available to the House of Lords to declare allegiance to the monarch.
2: Actually the the king has decided to to kind of open this up to give everyone the opportunity to. No one is forced to no one has to no one's going to be checking. If you want to do it and I will, great if you don't want to do it,
0: fine. I'm sorry, are you trying to sell the idea of bending the knee to the king as some major step forward in civil rights? It's... it's genuinely mad.
2: So King Charles has talked about modernizing the monarchy. Is there anything you think the royal family could do that would make them more relevant? Or now that it feels like people are at least talking about the potential end of the monarchy more regularly, especially since the death of the queen, would you rather see a future where the monarchy just didn't exist?
0: I think there's a way in which the monarchy could exist. Um That wouldn't be as problematic, as I said, if they actually espouse the values of modern society, that would be a good start. Uh, I think their finances should be ring-fenced so that they only get to spend the money that they actually make, i.e. through tourism, ticket access, etc., that sort of thing, uh, so that we don't have that connection between the taxpayer and their gold. I think there should be a severing of the ties between them and the politics. Um, so, they I don't want to see um, the monarch spouting off propaganda lines from the government every year. Or so, I think that just puts a sour taste in people's, people's mouths. Uh, and they need to actually take um, responsibility as an institution for the damage done by colonialism. I know they're scared of opening that door in terms of reparations, but that conversation needs to be had. Otherwise, you're just on the side of the establishment. And yeah, I think there's, way, there's ways to fix this, but they're just not doing it yet.
2: Yeah. Femi, thanks so much for being so candid. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Our producer this week is Vivian Luck and our sound designer is Graham McDonald. Special thanks to Constantina Varlocostas for help with this episode. Filling in as senior producer is Joyta Shangukta. The executive producer of Nothing Is Foreign is Nick mckay Blocos. Nothing Is Foreign is a co-production of CBC News and CBC Podcasts. Our theme music is by Joseph Chavison. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at CBC Podcasts. I'm Tamara Kendacker. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week.
0: For more CBC podcasts, go to cbc.ca/podcasts.